Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. Good morning, everybody. I'm going to use a stool today. It is a conscious choice decision. Oh, hey, just a few things before we dig into our study. Um, and first off, if I've not met you yet, my name is Tom Hypes. I'm the pastor here at the church. And um, just a, a few things I want to make sure, especially for our visitors that we know. But uh, if you haven't yet, make sure you check in uh, on Facebook that you're here. Again, that also happens if you're uh, watching us online. You can check in like you're here. All of our check-ins, we work with a group called uh, Reach by Cosley. And the check-ins are counted by them. It doesn't cost you anything, but uh, we, we contribute into the, the, uh, that with this mission group that each check-in takes and helps people in need. Uh, and this, this month, I think we're, doing, we're still on books, correct, for schools uh, in areas of the world that, that that's a huge challenge. And uh, it's been going really well this month, so thank you very much for doing the check-ins. Uh, also, again, if you don't mind, share this out as far as the live feed. So we love doing outreach. We love getting the Word of God in people's homes, and we appreciate your help with that. And then also, if you are a guest or if you've been coming here for a while and haven't heard about it, bless you, um, we also have a, a gift that we like to give. It's called Right Now Media, and it's kind of like Netflix for Christian Bible study. It's got over 10,000 video Bible studies, by book of the Bible, by topic, by different things that people go through uh, that you have for free, whether or not you ever come back again or whatever the case would be, we just are able to give that away for free. So as long as we have it, you have it. What's going on up here, ladies? Nothing. All right. I'm just saying, keeping an eye on you, checking Cindy's not here. Next thing I know. But Cindy is doing well. Cindy, is, most of you know, had her second knee redone. Uh, and J JT, it's you, your mom. She's doing good, all things considering. Good, good, very good. So I know she's watching at home. So hi, Cindy. Everybody say hi, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. So I think with that, we're ready to dig in. We just let them get it all out of the system early on and try to move on the best we can. So hey, get your Bibles out. Let's go. Matthew 5. Uh, we're continuing in a study that we have uh, been in since, geesh, the end of last summer. Uh, on the life of Christ, we're going through from beginning to end on his life, and God willing, of course, you know, here and around, we'll probably be doing that for at least about a year and year and a half uh, on the life of Christ. And we have gotten to the point called the Sermon of the Mount, uh, where it is one of the more concise uh, teachings that Jesus gave. And we have gone through, as uh, the, the band was kind enough to kind of bring back to the forefront for us, the Beatitudes and what a blessed life looks like, what that cycle looks like, how, how to have that in our lives. And now we're moving into the next section. So it would be Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Again, you versions up and running. Or if you need a Bible, there's Bibles underneath the chairs uh, and baskets around that you can use. But um, it moves to a new section that I want to make sure that we understand the shift of that direction because it should be considered natural, but it's not always natural for us. We have just spent like the last four or five weeks looking at the Beatitudes by being meek, this is what you have, by being righteous, chasing after righteousness, or hungry and thirsty, this is, this is what your life can look like. But then immediately Jesus does a shift in the next paragraph of, now that you are living in this life, this is how you take it out to others. 
Again, we're very, very, very good at processing the things of God, the promises of God, the ways of God in our lives for what's best for us, but we're not always best at taking it out. And these are times that are the time of the church. This is we, we are the ones that move that forward. And Jesus wants to make sure we capture that. So uh, he gives us a couple metaphors. Metaphors are always good. They give us some different insights into what the, the speaker is, is talking about. Uh, sometimes you can take them into la-la land, but we're going to try to keep them within the original context that uh, Jesus gives us so that we can ponder a little bit. Now, some of you guys might have been through studies like this, and some of you okay, Kyle? I'll be okay. Okay, baby. Uh, but but I, I kind of want to go into kind of fresh, kind of new, uh, if, you, if you can, and see some of the things that we have, and maybe you'll catch a nugget or two as the Holy Spirit moves. Sound good? Everybody in? Yeah. All right, let's go. So now verse 13, Jesus says this, you speaking to those who are following him, that's now assumed after the blessed life uh, aspect of things, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So we have, a, we have the metaphor, but we also have a pretty strong warning with it. If you, if you lose your saltiness, it's, it, what's it worth? And we could spend quite a bit of time on that, to be honest with you, because a lot of us have seasons in our life where we struggle, we lose our saltiness, or whatever the case may be. Uh, today, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, it kind of falls into the ballpark of uh, if somebody asks me, like, can you lose your salvation? And I know different people have different views on whether or not you want saved, always saved, if you can lose your salvation, but backsliding means all these type of things. Uh, generally, outside of one particular type of situation I can think of, you're not going to find me in a lot of debate on that, uh, because I think that's the lesser of the question. I think the question is, why would you want to lose your salvation? I mean, if that's your question, let's, let's talk about the beauty of God. Let's talk about the passion. Let's talk about the purpose and what he's created for us. Let's go there. Uh, maybe if somebody had lost a, a child that had, in the adult years, or just wandered away, that's a, a good time for that conversation. But overall, let's go, let's go for the fullness of God. It's kind of the same thing here. Let's go for salty. Let's go, let's go for what he's putting out there. Let's go for the good things. And if you've lost your saltiness or you find some areas that you can grow in with, as we go through this, then go for salty again. Keep, keep going. I know, I know salt itself in the metaphor cannot be restored. We can so let's look at the parts of the metaphor of what he's talking about when it means that we are the salt. So for our note takers, um, I'll you know, bust out a, a few things here that you might want to consider. Uh, the first one uh, is this, when it looks at salt, and especially when we look in the context of Jesus' time, that salt was the most common preservative at that time. Okay? Salt was the most common preservative at the time. For us, we get little shakers. But for them, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have a freezer down in the basement or in the garage next door. I mean, they didn't have any way to preserve food outside of one, and that's salt. It's a preservative. Um, and so that's how they would preserve everything. It was just pack it in salt, pack it in salt, pack it in salt. What does that mean to us? Again, this is why I'm so passionate about Christian community through the local body church. We are called not just from an evangelist standpoint, but to preserve one another, that we should be brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be together, not just worshiping and listening to the word or some guy get up here and babble about the Bible, whatever the case may be, but we're here to be able to talk with each other, form relationships with each other, laugh together, cry together, and help each other preserve in this world that is jacked up. That's part of being the salt, that we are called to be a preservative for one another. We can't do that alone. Now, does that mean somebody staying home because of COVID or whatever the case would be is wrong? No. That's a whole other topic. I'd love to talk to you about it. 
that get into the early church, get into persecution. There's a lot of things there. But when we lose community, we do lose something. And to forget that fact is the concern. So anyway, so it's the most common preservative. We need each other. We're made for family. We're adopted into his family. Uh, second thing that, that is there, and I don't know, how many people like salt? Do you find it tasty? Okay, how many people do not like salt? Anybody not like salt? There's a couple. Man, the people who didn't like salt like, thought they were going to be shamed for it. <laughs> and I was like, I love salt. And they are like, no, I don't like salt. But it could be, I mean, for a multitude of reasons. I'm not a big salt guy. Uh, I don't put a lot of salt on uh, food, like extra salt. Usually things come the way they want to go. But I do remember, um, <laughs> you're salty enough. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> and the whole church says, no, I'm just kidding. But the, one of the things about salt is it generally is tasty, and we're supposed to be tasty. There was a year, um, well, back up a little bit. Uh, if, you, if you know anything about Lent, Lent is a church tradition. Uh, it's not biblically commanded. Uh, it, it's fasted around prayer and fasting, which are biblically taught. Um, but it's usually a season between Ash Wednesday and Easter where some people decide to go into the church discipline of fasting something from their lives and, and then exploring that, that time or that hunger, a desire to be more time in the Word, more time in prayer as a preparation for the Easter celebration. Uh, we as a church have done it. I wasn't raised with Lent, but we, we have done it several times over the years. Other years, uh, not so much. And uh, this year, it's a not so much year. You guys are, everybody's welcome to do it themselves, absolutely. Especially if you've got a big decision going on, if you're going through a struggle, fasting can be a great way to lean closer to the Lord. Um, but for us, there's some things specifically in the area of prayer that I think the Spirit's leading us on that you'll be hearing about here in a couple of weeks uh, that, that I think is going to be in that place. So all that said, there was a year, uh, I'm going to guess at least 10 or 11 years ago, that we were in Lent, and I don't know exactly what I was fasting from, but I know that I was not allowed to have uh, sour cream and chives and bacon and all the good stuff on my baked potatoes. And I will admit to you, I do not like baked potatoes. Uh, baked potatoes are the source to get to me the sour cream and the bacon and the chives. That's it. That's it. And it's, uh, but, but nonetheless, and I was eating some food, so I remember we were with Bob Evans, and I, I could have a, a, a steak. Is Bob Evans steak? Will steak? I don't know. Uh, but I had a steak, and I had a potato, and I couldn't put anything on it. And after a few weeks, salt was the only thing I was allowed to put on those potatoes, and it tasted so good. You know, when you're doing without, it, it added the flavor. It brought it back in. It brought it back in with the appetizer. Uh, so while I'm not a big salt guy, I can't de deny the fact that it is a spice. It is something that adds fla flavor, and that's what we are supposed to be doing as well, is to be able to add flavor into this world where this world is a potato. That's just basically what it comes down to. It's just bland, and we, we, are, we are the church. We're Christians. We're the children of the risen king. We're ambassadors. We're his representatives. We're his witnesses. We add the flavor. And do you know what happens when you actually add the flavor? What happens if you eat like a bag and a half of Lay's potato chips? Nobody else does that? You do that? Okay. So Kathy knows what I'm saying. Huh? You're a bag and a half? I used to be. I will say I'm becoming a little bit of a lightweight as an old man. Uh, so maybe maybe one bag. But yeah, you're thirsty. That's what the salt does, is it makes you thirsty. And you need a water, you need a Mountain Dew. I don't, water if you're dieting. If you're eating a bag and a half, you're not dieting anymore. Just get the Mountain Dew. But it makes us thirsty. That's what salt is, right? We just can't have one. 
That's what we are in the world. We will make the world thirsty. We're the ones that, that not, not only create the quench, but also to be able to, uh, to lead them to the one who can, can take care of that quench that they have in their lives. So another thing to think about for salt. Uh, third one I'll give you is this. It's, uh, at that, that, that time, and still today, it's one of, it is the most common substance. It wasn't like you had to go mining for salt for months and people losing their lives down in the cave. I mean, it was just, it was everywhere. That's one of the good things about being preserved. It was just everywhere. It, was, it didn't cost hardly anything. I mean, even today, what, what's the little thing of salt taste cost today? Like a buck maybe? Two bucks? I don't go to the grocery store. $10. Okay. Okay. It's cheaper than gas then. But the, uh, but, but it, was just, it was the most common substance. And for me, that is very comforting. To me, that's very comforting because when we look into the word like First um, uh, uh, Corinthians, I'll make sure I get this right, 1, 26 through 29. I think I got that marked, yeah. Um, says this, For consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might be able to boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you in Christ Jesus, you have become to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let no one who boasts except for boast in the Lord." I love the fact that he loves using common things. I love that I'm referred to as a common thing because I'm one of the least of these, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because that's how he does big stuff through us so that we can't take the credit and he can. So there's a lot of things there within that salt metaphor that we can, we can explore into that we can also use to kind of see where we're at and what areas we can grow in. Let's jump into verse 14, the other metaphor. You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Um, I can't read this particular section without thinking of the Smoky Mountains. Um, we haven't been there for, I don't know, about a year and a half or so. Uh, but we used to go to Smokies, and we worked with the church down there in Townsend, Tennessee, which was like a valley town. I mean, it was just nothing but mountains and forest around it, and you're down in the valley. And at nighttime, they, they're like a, they like roll up the sidewalks at 6 p.m. type thing, and it's really dark because the sun goes down so early because there's nothing but mountains and stuff. And the thing always amazed me is how much light you get from a house up on the mountain, like with just a porch light on or something of that nature, just how that stands out in that darkness so vividly. And there's actually one church uh, that must have read this verse at some point because they have a, a lighted cross on top of their house on the roof. So it just shines over the entire valley. And I, I love that imagery. But I think one of the things that it, it really gives us a, an opportunity to do is to dig into that light and say, what are the variations of light? And how does that compare to our spiritual life? So if, if we look at light, um, there's, there's different ways that we, we see um, anywhere from complete darkness and familiarity to the fullness of the day sun. For instance, like, again, Monica and I grew up Johnson Hills, and uh, at camp, at church camp, I went for so many years that if um, I had to go from, like, the campfire to the lean-tos, I did not need a flashlight. It didn't matter how, what the moon was like. I mean, it was up these paths and hills and all this other stuff. It was a 
torturous trip. They got the cabins. They're right there, right by the campfire. It's nothing. You don't even go up a hill. We really got, uh, anyways. The, uh, but I could do the whole thing because sometimes you might be out a little bit too late and you don't want to get caught, so you don't use a flashlight. So that's one way of seeing is just kind of that familiarity. But there's other variations as well. That same trip was very different if it was a full moon because then you can see so much more. If you did have a flashlight, in the areas that you reflected that flashlight, you could see more. Or if you think uh, Jurassic Park, the first one with the kids messing around with those night goggle things and he can see what's going on in the darkness with the T-Rex and all that stuff with the green and the black lights. There's a lot of different variations of our light. And one of the things that is very, very true about us as humans uh, is that we're very adaptable. Um, in our adaption, the only other critter that's close to us is cockroaches. We just can adapt to a new normal. No, that's, that's actual science. Every once in a while I pick up a book. Uh, but but that, that's the, the level of adaption. We can go into almost any place and learn how to make that normal. And so if I, my normal is just going by what's familiar even though I can't see, that's the world. That's the world. And then we can't understand why we keep bashing our foot up against the chair. You know, if we think, well, I got a little bit of dim light or whatnot, and I can kind of adjust to it, that's, that's still the world. If I'm looking through night glasses, think about it. If you're looking through night glasses, and then all of a sudden you take it off, and the day comes up like that, all of a sudden you go, oh, there's a lot of stuff I couldn't see. I was really hindered. I was really hindered. It was, uh, you guys remember Truman Show? Am I old yet? Truman Show, it was a movie where uh, this, this baby was adopted by a corporation and they put him into this man-made um, huge dome type thing and created its own world in it. And uh, they raised him as a TV show and everybody else in it was actors and they all knew it but him. And then when he realized it, he like bolted in the middle of the night, was trying to find escape. And it was interesting because they sent all the actors out. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning, it's dark, and they can't find him. And they're looking and they're getting frustrated. And uh, the director from like the, it, the base was in the moon, um, the fake moon, was turn on the sun. And so she click, and the sun came out. Everybody's like doing this with their eyes and stuff because they're trying to adjust so quickly to the sunlight. And I'm sure at that point Truman's concerns were... Uh, validated. But that's Christ. Is that not Christ? When the, the, the illumination of Christ comes into our life, we see things differently. We don't see like the world. It's a whole different ballpark. Even if you look at our history, when we, the law, the Old Testament law, it was night goggles the best. It was to teach us how serious sin was. It was to teach us how much he loves. It was to teach us that we couldn't do it without him. And then Jesus. And then Jesus. They said, they're talking about the light. Uh, the, someone just clicked on the sun, and now you and I are the light. Now that he's sent it back into heaven. Well, now, I'm not a sun. You're not a sun. We're moons. We reflect the sun into this world, right? And the more the access that the sun and the moon have to each other without the world in between it, takes and reflects more light, reflects more as it goes from a quarter to a, uh, that's not right, eighth to a quarter to a half to a full. Yes. Um, <laughs> But, but the more we, we, that we are illuminated to Christ, the more we illuminate the world. It's natural. So the question really becomes, if I'm not really being a, a light in the world, then what am I doing to block Christ in my life? Because the rest just happens naturally. So there's some great things in here as far as the, the, the metaphors. If I want to grow more in my light, I just need more of him, and then everything else has, just moves forward. Even Christ tells us this. The only thing that can stop it is you by putting a bowl over the light. That's the only thing that can stop it. It's a natural 
natural effect. So great metaphors that Christ gives us, great truths that he gives to us. Um, now let's talk about how that really applies into our lives today. Because we are really good at taking stuff like this that has all this passion and power in it and then making it as simple and non-invasive as possible. As simple and non-invasive as possible. That, that we would look at something like this that we are well, made to take it into the earth and that we're the salt and we're the light and all these things. Uh, and then we turn it into, okay, so I need to be a nice people, a nice person. Um, yeah, I need to be a nice person. That somehow that's going to equate to them coming to Jesus. Um, it doesn't work that way. There's a lot of nice people who don't know Jesus in any way, shape, or form. It's more than that. So it can't just be about our actions. We have to look at the full picture of things. So what I want to do with the remainder of our time within the sermon is talk about how does this move into our lives? What are some of the things, especially for people who maybe struggle with sharing a little bit to give you some encouragement, but also give you some ideas of how you can move forward in some new ways in this. So with that, if actions are not enough, what do we need? I'll give you a couple of voices. I don't think I've put these in for you, Chris. I think that's just me. But if you want to write them down or if you want to get the notes later, just email me. Um, but the first one's Mark 16, verse 15, 15. Where uh, Jesus says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. In other words, they cannot believe or reject. They can't be baptized or reject unless if we're telling them. Now, the actions are unbelievably important because if I'm a hypocrite, they're not going to listen to me for nothing. So the actions are important. But that's just, just my reason to believe. But we are called to take and preach and to share and to teach. Uh, Acts 18, Acts 18, 9 through 11, uh, we get this. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and said, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in the city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. So again, just another example, and you're going to find them all throughout the scripture of action and preaching or teaching going together. So, uh, so here's some, some pointers within that, some things to talk about. Uh, first thing, if you're going to go from a note standpoint, number one, uh, if you're going to be salt and you're going to be light, you must be saved first. You cannot introduce someone to Christ if you don't know him. I mean, it just, just makes common sense. And so, and, and this verse will come up a few times. So if you've not accepted Jesus in your life personally, um, as a leader and forgiver in your life. Maybe you've grown up in church and you have a lot of church tradition. Maybe you know the Bible frontwards and backwards. Um, the grandma took you to VBS, whatever the case may be. But if you've not made a decision for Jesus Christ, uh, check out Romans uh, 10, 9 to 10, right? I'm going to come back to it. I always, I'm not the best on details. I'm best on concepts. Uh, but it simply tells us that if you acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God with your mouth and believe in your heart, he died and rose again, then you are saved. It's a conscious decision. It's a, constant it's a conversation uh, that you have with the Lord to be able to accept him, saying, you're God, I'm not. I, I accept that forgiveness I don't deserve. I'm following you. The, the life you created is back to you. Um, and if you've not done that, then two things. One, everything else I'm talking about, look at it as a preview. Accept Jesus to leave forgive your life. All this stuff applies to you, and I hope it makes you excited. Hope it gets a little fire under you. Uh, but most importantly, you can do it now. 
you can do it now. So feel free at any point to ignore me. Uh, half of you, them are anyways. It's not a problem. Uh, <laughs> and just pray to Jesus and talk to him and, and tell him you need him. Uh, so, so you have to be saved yourself to be able to do what I'm having. That, that's, again, just a, an assumption after you get past the Beatitudes. Second one is this. Uh, if you, you want to make a difference in life, you want to be salt, you want to be light, uh, start praying. Start praying. When Jesus left this earth to be ascended back, and we're waiting for him to come back, um, again, we put Matthew and Acts together to go out, lead people to Jesus, uh, baptize them uh, in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, encourage each other, be community, be preservatives on how to follow all the commandments I gave you because I want the fullness of life for you. Uh, and go do this in your hometown, go do this in your country, do this with people that are different than you, do this within uh, the whole world. It's a massive vision that he gives them. And he says, but don't do it now. Not, not yet. Go back to the room, hang out for a while, wait for the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this without the Holy Spirit. If the apostles could not do it without the Holy Spirit, you and I cannot either. And so we must, must be in, in prayer. Because one of the things that I have definitely learned is I don't convict anybody. I don't change anybody. It's not my job. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's the one that leads them to Jesus. I'm just a, and don't make jokes about this, but I'm just a tool. That, that's what we are. We're screwdrivers and hammers and different things and different watering buckets or whatever the case may be, um, to be able to be part of somebody's process that the Holy Spirit is leading them through. And I hope that brings you comfort. I hope you brings that comfort. I, I'm not responsible to do anything and say, yes, Jesus, I'll do what you tell me to do. And so that's a big part of it is within, within that prayer. Uh, he makes it easy. There's a book. I've talked about it before. Um, if you want to look into this more, uh, there's a book called uh, The Heart of Evangelism. The Heart of Evangelism by... Um, Jerem, I believe, J-E-R-R-A-M, Bars, B-A-R-R-S. Uh, and I won't give you the whole story of how it came across to me, but to be honest, when it comes to evangelism books and programs, that kind of stuff, there's not a lot out there that impresses me or really that I click with. This book was just boo-ah. I mean, it just was right there on the scripture. And, was, uh, and it's just a, a great book to go through if you're struggling with uh, relational evangelism. But uh, he, within this book, he lists some things to pray for. So if you're not sure what to pray for when you're starting out, let me give you some suggestions from him. Uh, the first one is for the Holy Spirit to work in our friends' lives, is that he's already doing the work before we even get there. Uh, buddy of mine, but since fifth grade, Matt Miller is my best friend, diehard atheist. We've had so many different conversations and life experiences. There's times I've encouraged him to the Lord. There's times I was a hypocrite and pulled him away from the Lord um, over the years. And uh, I think it was... I don't know, seven or eight years, we came back from Smoky Mountains, and we got back in time. I wasn't preaching that Sunday, but I was going to come to church on that Sunday, and I'm just going through Facebook because, you know, that's where life happens. And um, I, shown, I come across a video of my brother Matt taking and sharing his testimony at his church. I didn't even know he had a church at that point. He'd been going for like three months, he came, and he was sharing how he came to know Jesus, and I'm like, What? Like, I should have been the first call, man. It's been like 30 years. And so we didn't come here. We went to his church and surprised him and stuff but, and listened to his story. And it's just amazing how God works. Uh, and it's, so it's not always there. So pray that the Holy Spirit's working in the friend's life, preparing that. Uh, pray for open doors for the gospel to be presented. Uh, if you find yourself 100% of the time going around and trying to force doors open to share the gospel, you're probably doing it wrong. 
The Holy Spirit will open doors or give opportunities or give conversations. Uh, Pray for uh, clarity and uh, pray for courage. And those those two are big ones because we have all kinds of fears. I remember a Wednesday night home group, we were talking about what fears do we have about sharing the gospel. Uh, And I started that list. Uh, We're afraid we're going to offend somebody, that they're going to reject us, that we'll be used because we're trying to do good things to help them, and they'll use us and take advantage of that, that that, uh, we'll be unsafe, that there's job restrictions about sharing the gospel, that we don't have all the answers and we feel stupid in a moment, or... Uh, we have uh, gone outside our comfort zones, uh, that someone will want to debate, and we don't like the debate, uh, being see- seen as a hypocrite, all these, uh, or taking the first step can be a little scary. But keep in mind, Paul was scared. I mean, if you go to Ephesians six nineteen through 20, he was taking, calling out to the Ephesians, pray for me. Pray that I'm bold. Pray that I'm clear like I ought to be. And I just never imagined Paul, outside of this scripture, being scared of nothing, of anything. And here's one prayer request is pray for me because that, that I'm bold. I ought to be bold. I got to be bold. And so pray for one another as well within those things. Uh, another one I'll give you once you're praying and you know Jesus uh, is a concept that we call raise the flag. Raise the flag. Raise the flag is saying or doing anything that tells the people around you that you're a Christian. So if you say, um, hey, at church last week, bloop. Okay, they know you identify as a Christian. Uh, I'll, I'll be praying for you, bloop, raise the flag, uh, whatever case may be. But, but make, it, it basically sets you up to be a witness because they're now watching you. If you don't want to follow the Lord, and I'm going to say be perfect. You guys know me well enough. We all struggle with sin. But if you want to live in sin, do me a favor. Do not raise the flag because people have seen enough hypocrites. See enough hypocrites. Don't be like, oh, I'm at the church on Monday. Hey, let's go get trashed Friday night because it's been a tough week. You, you've you've got to be, once you raise a flag, know you're going to be watched and, and live accordingly. And if you screw up, that's okay. Get right with the Lord first and then go get right with them. Say, hey, look, I know when I did that last week, it was not, that's not who I want to be. That's how God calls me to. And I, I've got right with him, but I wanted to apologize to you. Do you know, the world doesn't do that. That's part of your witness as well. So raise the flag and let them start watching you. Uh, just don't flip them off on the highway. Um, number four is your testimony. Now we're getting into talking. Now we're getting into sharing. All of us have a testimony if you've accepted Jesus as leader of giving your life. Definition of a testimony, once again, is this was my life before. Jesus stepped in. This is what it looked like after. And most of us, when we think about testimony, we think about when we come to know Jesus as leader and forgive him. Uh, our lives first time. I just, just had my spiritual birthday put out on Facebook. I went into mom's bedroom. It was my 1976. Mom, what's it mean to be saved? I have no idea why it hit me at that moment. She told me. I said, I want that. I prayed salvation. Jesus stepped in. This is what my life looked like after. Not always beautiful, not always ugly, but Jesus. So that's a testimony that you have if you accepted Jesus' lead and forgiven your life, whatever that looks like in your life. But you also have a Thousands and thousands of other testimonies. Thousands and thousands of testi- testimonies. You guys know one of mine. I was in my early 20s, stole money from a place I worked at, got busted for it, looked like a hypocrite, was a hypocrite in front of everybody in the community. My mom took and said to me, they saw what you did, now they're looking to see what you do next. Jesus. And this is what Jesus has done with my life since. It's another testimony. And I've been able to use it in prisons Several times. I've had people, because I spent one night in prison, I have people that are like in jail that will say, okay, you're one of us, I'll talk to you, and we'll talk to other pastors. One, I, and I like, must have peed my pants three times. 
You know what I mean? I was like, but, but God uses that testimony. I woke up today in a really bad mood, and I was coming to work. I was going to rip everybody's heads off, and this is what I heard on the radio, just the right message at the right time, and look what Jesus did before I walked in the door. Tons of them. You've just got to be willing to share them as the Spirit leads. Jessica was trying to tell me that Michael has many testimonies from his early days last night. Oh, I thought you were moving the chair away from him. She got in trouble last night. But we all, we all do. And here's the thing. As, again, I don't have to go out and tell everybody that I got arrested. Hey, Donna, you got arrested a billion times over. I just have to share it when Jesus tells me to share it. And they're going to have times of testimony. Someone's going to be going through something and they say something. And the Holy Spirit will say, you remember you went through something like that before? Okay, now are you willing to share it so they can see what I did through you and for you so that they can see I'm a good God as well? So testimonies are not just something that we have that's for us, but we're responsible as the Spirit leads to be able to share to others. And the great thing about testimonies is there's no such thing as debating. You don't have to go to like seminary to do a testimony, and you don't have to have all the answers because you can't tell somebody your story and say, God is so good because he did this or this, and they go, uh-uh. Uh-huh, it's my life, man. I went through it. What are you talking about? You can't talk. So, so if you're, someone gets intimidated by these things, it's your story. Uh, going through the gospel. The gospel. We've got to get better at sharing the gospel. That's what we're here for. Uh, if you look in your bulletins, uh, I think we put a bulletin, uh, like a, a flyer. Is, is that in there this week? I just want to double check. Get that out. Get that out. Take a look at it. But no, it's not that one. It's an actual like, uh, program. Yeah, that one. Kathy's got it, Monica. She'll help you later. Uh, but if you open it up, it's got within it. This is a, it's a piece I made a long time ago. But it follows what's called the Romans Road. If you need like a system of, to kind of help you, maybe you're new at explaining the gospel. And it goes through things within Romans that leads people to the Lord. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not just you. I'm not calling you out. The wages of sin is death. Someone's got to pay that. Jesus Christ paid that death. If you just acknowledge with your mouth that he's the son of God, then you can be saved and follow him and turn your life over to him. Uh, it's a process that if you don't know what to say to somebody when they say, how do I come to know Jesus, when we are commanded that whether you have a defense for our faith, then start reading that sucker once a day for like two, three, four weeks, whatever it takes until you just kind of get the basic feel of it so that you can talk to people. That's just a tool. There's many, many different systems out there. Please stay away from way of the master. But besides that, there's a lot of different opportunities that can help you if you need it. Uh, but if nothing else, number six is the voice, Romans 10, 9 through 10. I talk about it every week, every week. If you acknowledge with your mouth, you son of God, believe in your heart, die and rose again, give your life to him. You're not God, he is. Follow him, you are saved. You start a new path. There's Christian community all around you. Let's take and support you. It, it, it's a very simple, simple voice. Know that one. It's so worth it. So worth it. And there's almost any question people can ask you and say, well, I don't know. Let's check it out together. And that's a respectful way to do it. But the last thing you want to do is like someone goes literally, hey, how do I accept Jesus as leader and forgive my life? And you're like, um, let's call Pastor Tom. <laughs> you, the, 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 it's a very easy voice that has so much power and grace in it that we should be, be working with. And then the, the most scary, scary one, I will say this for, for many personalities, um, engage. After you share the gospel, engage and say, what do you want to do with that? That's the tough one. I can't tell you how many times I showed the gospel with people, and people are like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. But then say, so what do you think about that? 
What do you do with that? Is that something you believe? Is that something you not believe? Do you want to talk more? Where are you at? Um, and, it, and that really is when the conversation gets real. That's when they'll actually tell you what's on their mind. I just, I just don't know. There's other things I'm trying to figure out too. Okay, well, let's talk about those things. Oh, there's some walls I had. I've been hurt by church before. I've been sexually abused in my past or whatever the case would be. Let's, let, let's dig into that. Let's get some resources to help you with that or somebody to talk to if I'm not the right person. But ask, what do you do with this? I've, I've had um, some people say, well, you don't want to push them into anything. No, you don't want to push them into anything. That's horrible. That's like those kumbaya moments around the campfire trying to get people emotionally crying. It needs to be a real decision, but it needs to be a decision. Because I don't know if I see you again. I don't know what my part of the watering process is. I don't know if you get in the car wreck tomorrow. So let's at least bring it up to the table. And it's amazing what the Holy Spirit does when you do that. Just, just amazing. So let me, let me leave you with this because I think this is what our goal is. You guys remember me telling you about Paul taking a praying for boldness, uh, praying for clarity? In Acts 20, uh, 25 through 27, there's a voice there that I think should be our goal with what we're talking about this. Uh, Paul has now been in Ephesus for a while. It's actually people he prayed to, uh, asked for prayer for, um, from, man, I got it out. Three tries, got the whole sentence. Um, but he comes back to him and he says, the Holy Spirit's revealed to me that I'm never going to come back again. Today I'm leaving, I'm never come back again. I'm going to go to Rome, and I'm never leaving Rome. In other words, spirits just tip the cards. You're going to be arrested, or you're going to be killed. And so they're, all, they're close, they're a family. Um, they're crying together, they're hugging on each other. And Paul, in the, the, these few voices, says to him, says to the group, when I leave this town, I leave with nobody's blood on my hands. Nobody's blood on my hands. Uh, verse 27, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. What you did with this outside my control, but I did everything that I was supposed to do. You prayed for boldness and clarity. God gave me boldness and clarity. And, and as I leave this place, I did everything that God has called me to do to reach out to you. And so I know that I'm good before my Lord. If we can leave this world with that with that, then we'll be in the salt, then we'll be in the light. Stop hiding in the salt shaker, stop putting the bucket over the light, and that's what I want to leave this place with. Because he calls me to it, he commands me to it, it's because my heart for others to be able to then have what we, he has so blessed me with, and I want to help grow the kingdom as a tool of the Holy Spirit as he leads in a way that his gospel message can change lives. It's only they can change lives, and this world needs it. Needs it. Badly. People in your home need it. People in your book, your school, they need it. So if that could be our goal, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God with boldness and clarity. That's all our call is to do. So with that... Mike said we can do whatever we want with them. <laughs> if you have nervousness or you're not sure what to do, and again, uh, I, I pray that we can kill those, uh, those fears. Now, we've moved from the persecution last week into the mustard seed. And, and again, the scripture that Mike shared with us on the screen was talking about the, the power of the faith of a mustard seed. And we talked, I think, last night... Uh, Michael and Jessica showed us some of the pictures from Friday night uh, home group where they put these together. 
And Michael has a really cool picture with there's a bunch of them together. And, but the only downside is that they look huge. I mean, they look like, like big. And so when they're handing these out today, uh, and you think that Jesus says you can change the world, you can move a mountain just with that much faith. Uh, it is my hope that we keep this uh, this week that Mike has given us and the reflection that he has been teaching us uh, to look at. So if you're in the break room and someone is amiss or someone is crying or somebody is off to the side because nobody else is talking to them or that might even be at school or someplace to that standpoint, and the Holy Spirit saying, just go talk to them. That's all it takes. That's moving them out much more than anything that can move down the Smoky Mountains. You know what I mean? We think about the mountains and all this stuff, and it either becomes something too huge or something about me. But that moving of the mountain to help someone come to know Jesus, to have that freedom, to have that community, to have that purpose, to have that passion. Man, what are we doing if that's not our first thing? So I pray you start praying, and we're going to have an opportunity to be able to do that now. But I pray it's something that we just get to common place with, and then we just say, Holy Spirit, use me. Holy Spirit, use me. So with that, let's go into to a time of prayer. I'll go ahead and ask Greg and Katie to come on up, and uh, we'll just have, we'll have some time of reflection on this. Dearly Father, we are thankful for the beauty of your grace, of your mercy, of your hest, Father, of your passion for us, of your willingness to leave heaven, to come to this place of sin and muck and mile. And I just pray that we get encouraged by what you've done in our life, Father. Not just encouraged, but that we get excited about what you've done in our life, that it becomes very, very real. That it's not just something that we are holding on to because it's the lifestyle that we were raised in or the culture that we were groomed in, Father, but that we are sinners. We we deserve death, spiritual death, physical death, Father, because that was the wages of that sin. But yet you, that's the part that changes everything. Now listen, if, if you're here and you've not accepted Jesus' leader and forgiving your life, I'll, I'll tell you one of the most common things that I hear. It's not so much that people don't believe in Jesus so they don't want Jesus. I do hear that, and that does come up, and that maybe that's where you're at, and I'm, I'd happy to have some coffee and hang out and talk a little bit. But more often than not, it's that we don't have it all figured out. Yeah, we believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe he died and rose again. We believe that he has forgiveness. But I don't accept him in my life if I don't understand this about creation or this about how it all plays out or this about what it means if you acknowledge with your mouth he's the son of God and believe in your heart and died and rose again you're God I'm not I accept your forgiveness and I'm following you is the only thing we need to know everything else is part of growing part of exploring part of following and Satan would throw that stuff in our face and take, take and say that that's a reason for us to stay far away until we got it all figured out. But I don't, I don't even have it all figured out. But Christ has it. And I want to be with him and I want to walk with him and I pray the same for you. 
So the question becomes, what do you do with that? You can pray and accept him as leader and forgiver in your life right now. You can grab me after this gathering today, and I don't care who I'm talking to, you come up and say, hey, we're going to talk about the gospel, and I'm in. I'll walk away from anything else to be able to talk to you about the gospel, about what Christ needs to do in your life. But don't pass an opportunity for glory. Father, for the rest of us, if we let this really be real in our lives, then we just naturally will radiate the light. We will naturally bring flavor into this world through you. We will make a difference that will let us be part of other people's testimonies as we see the glory and the power of your Holy Spirit move. So start preparing those conversations, Father. Start preparing those, those lives to be able to be heard. Help us to, to slow down enough that when we hear an opportunity, we see an opportunity, we don't miss it and glaze over it or come up with some excuse to put it off till Tuesday, that we listen to your Spirit, we follow your Spirit, and Father, I pray that you use us. We love you, Father. Give us your words, give us your action. In your name we pray, amen. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.